might get in my car today, I might crash my car. So that's why I put my seatbelt on. So actually having a little momentary worry, oh, oh, better put my seatbelt on. Okay, I put my seatbelt on, carry on. The worry doesn't continue. It doesn't ruin my day. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. It doesn't make me feel particularly anxious. So that's okay. That's a kind of useful worrying thought. But if I did my seatbelt set off and then I spent the entire journey worrying about, oh, I might crash my car, I'm going to be feeling pretty awful, pretty stressed out. And it's going to make me perversely slightly unsafer driver. potentially more likely to have an accident. In this episode of You Are Not A Frog, we're talking about worry and anxiety, particularly rational worry and anxiety. You know the phrases, don't worry, it'll probably never happen, or it's not like anyone's going to die. Well, what do we do when bad things may well happen, or people's lives and livelihoods are genuinely at risk? How do we stop ourselves becoming overwhelmed with anxiety then? To explore this, we're joined by psychiatrist and therapist, Dr. Caroline Walker, the joyful doctor, to talk about how to stop ourselves feeling overwhelmed with worry, even in the midst of worrying times. Even though we might not be able to control what's going on in the world, or even just our families or workplaces right now, one thing we do have more control over is how we deal with ourselves when we start feeling anxious or dwelling on unhelpful thoughts, even if they may be very rational. We can also stay focused on the present where everything is okay at the moment. We talk about how worry can be helpful when it spurs us into action, but when it's overplayed, it can cause us distress and actually make the bad things more likely to happen as we can't think straight or perform as well when we're in our sympathetic fight, flight or freeze zone. We share some simple techniques you can use to reduce your anxiety, which you can use anywhere, even in difficult times. So listen to this episode if you want to find out why we need to be more gazelle, which emotions your anxiety may be masking and why this matters, and how to get yourself out of the vicious cycle of rumination and worry. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options. Stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. 
It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. Hello and welcome to another episode of the You Are Not A Frog podcast and I'm delighted to have with me again Dr Caroline Walker. Hi Caroline, how are you doing? Hi Rachel, I'm well thank you, it's lovely to see you, thanks for having me back. You're very welcome and Caroline is a friend of the podcast, we have had her on several times before, we've done lots of podcasts together all around Covid, all around our reactions to Covid and Caroline works as the joyful doctor. Caroline tell us a little bit about, about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am a doctor by background. I'm a psychiatrist and a therapist, and I specialise in, in the mental health and well-being of doctors and other healthcare professionals. So I um, set up The Joyful Doctor, which is a not-for-profit organisation, a few years back now. And we we all everything we do just helps to improve the well-being of doctors and high-stress caring professionals. So, yeah, it's just a joy to come on and to be working with you again, Rachel, to help to help reach some some doctors and healthcare professionals out there who might be struggling a bit at the moment because it is quite a challenging time still. It is a difficult time isn't it and we're just sort of in the thick of Omicron and everything that 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 brings us and the reason why we're doing this episode is Caroline and I run a community a CPD community for doctors called Permission to Thrive where we do a webinar once a month and in a recent webinar we were looking at worry and anxiety and actually there were lots of things I thought would be really good to talk about on the podcast and I think with everything that's going on in the world there's a lot of worry and anxiety around and some of the worry and anxiety techniques are just to sort of minimize what might happen and that will help your worry and that sort of got us thinking well, what if the worst might happen? How do you stop yourself worrying when, you know, actually things are bad? And yet we know with COVID at the moment, the numbers are baked in because yeah. of the amount of cases that we've got. Also, you know, over the last few years, things have got worse than we probably could have imagined in, yeah. some, in some time. So actually things have got worse than we imagined. And Lots of times I know that people use the technique of, you know, well, let's think about it. It's not like anyone's going to die, is it? And actually, when you apply that to healthcare, well, you can't say that anymore and you can't minimise the impact of stuff. So when you've got lots of worries and anxieties, it feels actually it's almost right to do that. However, we can't live in a state of being crippled by anxiety. And I am getting lots of emails from people, lots of listeners who are saying about how worried and anxious they're feeling right now and is there anything we can do to help and what would we suggest and so you know I've, I've got questions myself around it so Caroline I'd love you to, to share some of your wisdom and I think we're going to talk about some of those things that we did talk about in the Permission to Thrive webinar which I think have been helpful for people so first of all can I ask you are we abnormal when we're feeling anxious and worried and, and ruminating or is it just something that everybody does? Absolutely not we 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 all worry we all ruminate and we particularly when there's lots of stuff going on like there is at the moment I mean it's extraordinary isn't it we've had two years of the pandemic it's the middle of winter winter's always a tough time in healthcare always lots and lots of staff shortages sicknesses absences and it's just that bit worse at the moment as well so there's a lot going on for people a lot of uncertainty still about what's going to come in the years um, ahead so 
I think, no, completely normal part of being a human being to get worrying thoughts and to feel anxious. I think what becomes problematic is when those thoughts start to take over, they start to get in the way of your day-to-day life, they start to stop you being able to enjoy things and, and get on with things and still be productive. So it's about drawing that distinction between, you know, normalising, it's absolutely fine to worry and get anxious, we all do, but when is that becoming problematic? When is that becoming more um, of an issue for you, something that you might need to do something about? What I have noticed is that a lot of people get very anxious about being anxious. So oh, yes. that we tends that, to then exacerbate their anxiety. Yeah, we call that meta worry. Worry about worrying. Worry about worrying. It's really, really common. Um, and it does just wind things up and up and up. But it's, again, like normal worries and anxieties, it can be helped with some simple st- techniques and strategies. And if those aren't working for you, again, seeking out some help and support to mm. get some treatment around anxiety can be really, really um, helpful too. Interesting. I've never heard of meta worry before. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Before we go on to talk about tips and techniques and strategies to help with our worry, is there any time where worry is actually helpful? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I think often when we've got a problem that needs solving, we might need to think about it and think about ways around it. Worry tends to kind of activate us. It gets us out of a state of apathy and lack of motivation into a state of, I'm going to do something about this. Um, So we might be worried about an exam coming up. We might sit down and do a revision timetable. We might sit down and actually do some revision. If you're worried about how you're going to get ready for going on holiday, you might actually get your suitcases out of the loft and start packing. So so actually, yeah, worry in itself is not the enemy. It's not a bad thing. A little bit of like, oh, Mm, that thing he's doing okay I should probably do that um is very helpful actually and sometimes we genuinely have some real problems that it's completely normal and natural to be worried about you know if you've got a loved one who's ill or something serious going on in your life maybe a relationship is in in difficulty sometimes worry alerts us to a genuine issue that we actually need to pay attention to and spend some time thinking about I think though that's the difference between that and when worry gets us all het up and anxious about things that aren't real or haven't happened yet mm-hmm. you know like we did when at the beginning of the pandemic Rachel you and I both shared when it first came along you know we were watching the 24-hour news cycle and within minutes we've gone from thinking oh my god I might get COVID to imagining our own funerals and you know how our families were going to cope without us and so worry can kind of get out of hand quite quick if we're not mindful around it and I think the key to stopping worrying when the worst might happen mm-hmm. is that that second phrase you said you know the first one is when it might not happen fine so let's not worry about stuff that might not happen but actually it's that hasn't happened yet so yeah mm-hmm. it might happen but it hasn't happened yet and I think that's the mindset we find it really difficult to get into and, and when you think about it yeah, there's loads of things that are going to happen in life that haven't happened yet Yeah. So I might get in my car today. I might crash my car. So that's why I put my seatbelt on. Yeah. So actually having a little momentary worry. Oh, oh, better put my seatbelt on. Okay. I put my seatbelt on. Carry on. The worry doesn't continue. It doesn't ruin my day. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. It doesn't make me feel particularly anxious. So that's okay. That's a kind of useful worrying thought. But if I was then, you know, did my seatbelt off, set off and then I spent the entire journey worrying about oh I might crash my car I might crash my car I might crash my car I'm going to be feeling pretty awful pretty stressed out pretty anxious and it's going to make me perversely slightly unsafer driver (laughs) potentially more likely to have an accident so I think it's about you know it's okay to predict what might be about to happen you know ultimately worry anxiety keeps us safe 
right? I mean, it's just our brain's way of trying to predict that something bad may or may not happen. How, well, how will we deal with that? But I think it's about going, okay, uh, I've made a little plan for if that happens, now I'm going to let go of whether it happens or not, because there's nothing we can do to control that, right? This is back to your zone of power. You know, there's, there's relatively little in life that we do have control over. <laughs> so if we can bring it back and focus on what we do have control over, then we're going to feel much more relaxed. Yeah. And that, that's a really good tip. Actually, number one tip is use the zone of power. So people that have not heard about the zone of power before, it's simple. If you get a sheet of paper, draw a circle in the middle, that's your zone of power. Everything in the circle is things you can control. And then everything outside the circle is things that you can't control. And so when you start worrying, probably one of the first things you can do is literally draw that zone of power. What am I in control of here? What could I do? What can I do? Do that. And then everything outside that circle like you said, things that we have absolutely no control over. I mean, the weather yeah. being one thing. So there's almost no point in worrying about the weather. Well, I guess there is. So you could worry about well, the weather. You're I not going to change the weather, but you could change what you wear. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you've got yeah. an umbrella, right? <laughs> and actually, there's a difference between worrying about something and caring about it. So mm. I think it's okay to be to wish it was sunny when it's raining. It's okay to care whether the, rain, the weather's nice or not. There's a difference in caring about it and worrying about it. Mm. So I think sometimes if we can acknowledge to ourselves, yeah, this this terrible thing's going on at the moment, right? We've got this awful pandemic, we've got star shortages, there's too much work, we're under-resourced, people are tired, um, anxious, uncertain about the future. All of that is real. And it's okay to feel a bit scared, a bit sad. Any of those emotions that might be coming up for you, they're all okay. So acknowledge them, you know, allow a bit of space for them. Sometimes I find we we worry and get anxious when actually there's another emotion going on that we're not paying attention to. And I think at the moment, we're still grieving a lot. We're still quite sad about the loss of the life we were living, you know, the loss of our security and our ability to make plans and, and trust that they were going to happen. You know, I've had lots of conversations this week with doctors and healthcare workers who are, you know, maybe got a holiday coming up and they're still not quite sure if it's going to go ahead or not. And we've never had to live like that really before in our society. Some, some societies have, but we've been very fortunate, haven't we, to live a life where things have been pretty predictable, relatively secure, and that still isn't the case. And I think that leaves us feeling a bit unsettled. It leaves us feeling quite sad. And those are difficult emotions to sit with. So actually, it can sometimes be easier to then get worried because worry is like an active emotion, right? Kind of gets us juiced up. It gets us active. So we can do something about it. We think we can do something about it. Often, as we've just alluded to, we can't because it's not in our control. And that's so helpful. That Yes, it's a lot easier for us to admit to being worried about something yeah. than to be sad. And I think yes. anger is very like that as well. I think yes. sometimes yes. if I feel undervalued or unappreciated or, or unloved, and I feel sad about that. I'll, I'll feel angry <laughs> and it will yeah. come out as anger, yeah. not sadness, because sadness shows a lot of vulnerability, doesn't it? Yeah. Or maybe if we're a bit embarrassed or a little bit ashamed about something, like I get this around my parenting quite a lot. If I've missed something or not noticed something and then it's pointed out to me, I'm like, oh, cringe. So I'll start to worry and get anxious. And it's like it's it's as I said, it's an easier emotion. I know it's not a pleasant emotion to be anxious and worried, but it's but it's slightly easier, I think, than some of the others. So, yeah, yeah. sometimes like it's that. worth thinking, is there something else going on here that I'm not allowing myself to feel or pay attention to? And that's really helpful that there is a difference between caring 
and worrying because mm. I do struggle with this idea of, and we teach this, don't we, that everything outside your zone of power, just got to accept, just got to accept yeah. it. And it's really hard to accept it. And I think I've always thought that accepting it is just dismissing it, not caring. No. Actually, it's not that. It's, you can deeply care about it. Absolutely. But you can care about climate change, but also have an acceptance around the limits, around how much impact you might personally have around it. This is something I learned in my addiction recovery, actually, in my own personal recovery around addictions, that you know, we can care about the outcome of something, but still let go of it. You know, so if I ask somebody to do something for me, I can care about whether they say yes or no. But ultimately, it's not it's not my responsibility whether they say yes or no or not. It's not in my control whether they say yes or no or not. And if they say yes, brilliant, I'm going to be happy. If they say no, I'm going to be disappointed or sad or angry or, you know, those other emotions will come up. So, yeah, we can still care about stuff, but let go of the outcome. Yeah. And that's so important because as you were saying with, with the driving, yeah, if you were driving along, mm. you would care. You care about the fact you're going to have an accident or not, yeah. right? Nobody yeah. wants to have an accident. But if you're worried about it, conversely, the the worry does the exact opposite of what yeah. it should do. That the bit of the bit of worry to start off with helpful, seatbelt goes on. Yeah. But the more you worry, the more anxious you get, you yeah you go into your fight flight or freeze zone you've got adrenaline racing around you in your sympathetic zone you can't think straight you're much more likely to crash and this is where something like a worry tree can be very helpful so this is where you might ask yourself a simple question like is this a real problem yes or no if it's a real problem great you go down the problem solving route so if i get in my car i say oh i might crash my car is that a real problem yeah i might crash my car kind of real what can i do about that i'll put my seatbelt on okay I've taken action. I've kind of addressed the worry. If the answer is, is this a real problem? No, it's not a real problem. Then you're looking at other techniques like worry time. That can be quite helpful. So that's where you would set aside a time of the day or a time in the week when you're going to specifically worry about things. It might sound a bit, a bit strange and a bit silly, but it really does work for a lot of people. And what that does is it, it acknowledges this is something I want to worry about. It is, it's worrying to me. It means something to me. I do want to give it some time and attention, but I don't want to let it take over my day. So I'm going to plan at, say, six o'clock tonight for 20 minutes. That's my worry time. That's when I'm going to think about it. Mm. And then when you get to six o'clock, you can worry as much as you like for those 20 minutes. Yeah. And often what happens when you get there is actually you're not that worried about it anymore. And sometimes you are, but you've got your 20 minutes worry time. It hasn't ruined your whole day. It just manages your worries. So this is one of those techniques which says, you know, Worrying's normal. Let's accept it's going to happen. Let's kind of take a little bit of control and, and manage it, manage how we're going to worry. Yeah, I think that worry time technique is really helpful. I've used that myself. Mm-hmm. I found that it's more helpful for those long term chronic worries. So mm. say if you're going through a complaints process or something yep. with a GMC, so that's going to be going on for a couple of years. Yep. Or you've got worries around one of your children. There's something that they're going through because those worries are just constantly with you and putting those those times into, well, I will worry about it. But then and and I do find that then you get to then you think, well, actually, I don't need to worry about it now. But then it'll come back the next day. So that is that is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might get a totally different perspective on it at a different time of day or something will have changed between when you were going to worry about it and then that has helped you to move on with it. I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? 
Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Yeah, it's a, it's a helpful strategy. It doesn't work for everybody, but definitely worth giving a try if you're someone that struggles with repeated worries. Yeah, I think you can adapt that for the middle of the night as well. And mm. um, lots of people keep a notepad by their bed. So if they yeah. wake up in the middle of the night, like the middle of the night is pretty much the worst time to do worry time, isn't it? Like, yeah. don't, don't even go there. It's like we have a Sunday night rule in our family. We're not allowed to have any discussions about relationships or yeah, anything deep on a Sunday night because I'm awful on a Sunday night I'm like the world is terrible yeah yeah and I'm just like no it's just Sunday night so nothing deep just watch something silly on telly on a Sunday night that's fine and it's like that at three in the morning do not schedule your worry at 3 a.m no. if you can write <laughs> it on a pad next to your bed say I am going to worry about this yeah. but tomorrow afternoon and yeah. nine times out of ten you'll get smart and you think, what was I thinking of? I heard a podcast from someone actually, she was a gastroenterologist and she'd looked at the gut brain connection and she thought about stress. And she said, often she wakes at three in the morning and she's trained herself to think not what's bothering me, what am I worried about? But Ooh, what have I eaten that's causing me to feel a bit anxious and worried? She said often a cup of peppermint tea makes her feel a lot better, settles her gut down and suddenly she's not worried anymore. So we, we often feel yeah. anxious and then our brains look around for the thing that's making us feel anxious yeah and that's a, a great example of something we call attentional refocusing you're basically just trying to switch your attention onto something else that's more helpful and you can do that in lots of ways you know you could have your favorite teddy bear next to you that you decide to give a good hug to and look at and talk to you could think through what was the best thing that happened to me today or if it was a really bad day, what's the best thing that happened to me last year? Or, you know, but basically just switching, deliberately asking your brain to focus on something else, because essentially all worry is, is a type of thinking, doesn't it? If we can switch to a different type of thinking, we're going to feel less worried. Mm. So asking your brain different questions. What went well today? What am I looking forward to? And um, those sorts of things can also be quite helpful. And then there's always the, the lovely effort bucket. I won't use the, the full swear word version for the podcast, but you know, if you've got something that's just going around around your head, try visualizing, just taking it out of your head or literally write it on a piece of paper, crumple it up and put it in the effort bucket. Literally put it in the bin. You know, because some thoughts and worries are just not worth our time and effort. And that can be quite powerful. There is something very powerful about that. I think one of our very, very first guests on the podcast was uh, John C. Parkin, who has written a book called Effort. And um, oh, it's such a nice man. It was such a good episode. So people might want to go back and listen to that. And in fact, I'm rereading his book at the moment because I'm thinking, how does effort work after a pandemic? So obviously that book was written quite a few years ago, but it's exactly like you said earlier. And he says in the book, it doesn't mean we don't care about these issues. No. And the more I work with anxious doctors and healthcare professionals, and the more I get to know my own anxiety, the more I, be I believe that there is often something else going on for us. When we're particularly anxious, there's often another emotion or another thing going on in our lives that we're not quite paying attention to. And I think at the moment, we're all trying not to feel anxious about something that is going to make us feel anxious, right? There's this massive pandemic. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of overwhelm. And 
And actually, I think it's really normal to be a bit worried about that. But maybe we're not paying so much attention to the other emotions that it's bringing up for us. You know, the sadness, the loss, the anger, because they're not emotions that we're typically used to sharing publicly, are they? And we don't often see many um, examples of people role modeling how to do anger in a healthy way or how to be sad in a healthy way that isn't you know, uncomfortable for the people around you. So I think it's about allowing yourself to just check in. Is this other stuff going on here too? You know, what am I feeling sad about right now? What am I maybe angry about right now? And just paying attention to those things as well, probably have a really good knock-on impact on your level of worry and anxiety. Yeah, something happened with one of my children the other day and I just felt dreadful about it. And I remembered what we were, we'd been talking about with this whole let yourself feel the emotion and I was really sad. I was really sad about it. And I sat there and I said, right, I'm going to let myself feel sad. And I felt really sad. And then I was reading the effort books and I was like, okay, well effort, because there is literally, I've done everything I can do. Yeah. You felt the feeling. I'm feeling sad and I can't do anything about the outcome. And just, it doesn't stop me feeling sad, but I don't, I think before I would be trying to get rid of that sadness feeling, yes, doing exactly. everything to get rid of that sadness exactly. and I couldn't. That just makes it last longer, right? So the thing about feelings is they all pass. Nobody has ever had a feeling that's lasted forever, right? They always pass, always, always, always. So if we can learn to just invite them in and say, hello, I, I, I notice you're there. I notice I'm feeling sad today. I'm feeling angry today or I'm feeling this today. It's okay. It's not going to kill me. I'm not going to do any major lasting damage not comfortable but but that's okay you know I'm gonna and then actually if we name what the actual feelings are a bit more accurately I think it gives us a better chance to soothe ourselves because like you said if you're sad you're gonna let yourself be sad you might have a cry you might have a nice cup of tea with a friend you might give you know go and get a hug from your partner or uh, you might wrap up in a cozy blanket and watch a sad movie you can that's going to be more useful to you than sitting there worrying for an hour and a half over and over scrolling on google or trying to find the answer to the problem yeah if you're angry if you can get that out in a healthy way you can um, punch a pillow or write an angry letter that you don't send you know that kind of thing you can get that anger out that's going to be a much more effective way of managing your feelings and helping them to pass more quickly than again spending an hour and a half worrying and scrolling on facebook do you think that part of the problem is that that as doctors and sort of other professionals, we are used to being able to fix stuff. And then when we can't fix stuff, it really irks us, but our brains are still in there. Well, I can fix this if I just think about it and worry about yeah. it for long enough. Yeah, I think we are still sold the myth, aren't we, that things are fixable when they're not. And so it's very difficult when we come across things that aren't fixable, things that just have to be sat with or, you know, answers that we might never get to the bottom of. I think... We find it very, very difficult not to be able to fix things. It's natural to want to be able to fix them. Of course, we don't want to sit there and be sad or be angry or be this or that. And I was talking to somebody the other day, actually, about how often it is as doctors, we're the ones that if a friend comes to us and tells us a problem, our first response usually is to try to help, isn't it? It's to try to give a solution or to say, oh, have you tried this or have you tried that? Or, you know, and I was talking to somebody about coaching and the difference there if you, if you work with a coach and how they won't necessarily offer you solutions so I'll help you to come up with your own. And, and how that's quite a hard thing to do as a doctor because we're used to kind of stepping in, aren't we, with a, a protocol or a, you know, like follow, for, yeah, follow steps A, B, C. If this, if, if A is plus B, then you do D or whatever. You know, we work, that our brains work in that way, don't they? 
And actually, we're not often taught how to just sit with something. That's just for it to just be okay that actually it's a bit rubbish right now. You know, it's a bit sad or it's a bit, yeah, uncertain. I was thinking at this time of year, especially, it's a very much like a planning time of year, isn't it? It's January. Everybody's thinking about their New Year's resolutions. How am I going to get fit? How am I going to get on top of my finances? How am I going to change my job? You know, um, finally get my life sorted. This is the year. And actually how hard it is to resist that. And to just be, to just be like, no, actually, I'm not going to entertain the idea I might make any changes. I might just, just be, actually, just feel what I'm feeling. Go about my day-to-day life. Feel what comes up and not try to change it. Really rare that we're, yeah, given that, that role modelling or that permission to do that. I think it is getting a little bit more in the zeitgeist that that sort of thing about mm. self-acceptance and stuff and mm. I, I talk about this book pretty much every podcast at the moment the, the, the book Four Thousand weeks by Oliver. oh Burton. i just finished it because you recommended it to me i loved it so good wasn't it good and and yeah. for me you know guy who used to be a, well he is a productivity time management guru has now yeah. realized that the only way to do it is to accept that we're never going to get everything done that we want to get done and just go Effort, really, you know. Yeah, and really prioritise actually what is the most important stuff. And this is what the the pandemic did for us, isn't it? Gave us permission to stop and go, oh, crikey, we are mortal. (laughs) We can't do everything. We can't take everything for granted. Maybe, you know, what is most important? And is that, are we covering, we're going to talk about that, but can't we, I think, in our next webinar with the Permission to Thrive thrive group. I can't wait to do that because I think, yeah, more and more for me, like goal setting and thinking about the life I want is more about how can I live that life today? You know, not necessarily always focused in, you know, this time next year or five years time or 10 years time, but yeah. How can we make the most of our precious time that we have today? It's, it's living a, a good life, even when things aren't perfect, even when there yeah. are things to worry about. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's interesting, we're talking here about, how you stop worrying when the worst might happen. Mm-hmm. Actually, even when the worst might happen, I think there are still lots of very unhelpful stories that we're telling ourselves, which mm-hmm. which makes the worry worse. And we talk a lot about being gazelle, don't we? Be more gazelle. And this concept, it was uh, told to me by a good friend of mine, Eleanor, who's a mindfulness teacher. And she said, oh, Rachel, you just got to be more gazelle. And, you know, when a gazelle is eating grass and a lion comes along, well, it, it runs away, doesn't it? And then when the lion's gone, what does the gazelle do? Back to eating the grass. Now, <laughs> that wouldn't be me. If that was me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, did you see the lion? And look at its hair. And what if it comes back tonight and it's my babies? And what am I going to do? And oh, I've got that presentation tomorrow. And if I don't sleep well, it's going to go bad. And if it goes badly, I'll lose my job. And then blah, and then blah. And we're constantly pre-living stuff that absolutely hasn't happened, even if it might be true Mm. we're experiencing the pain of it in the present even though it's in the future and there's a lovely quote by mark twain i'm sure i've talked about this on the podcast before you know i'm an old man i've known many troubles but most of them never happened and we're suffering now for something that may or may not happen in the future purely because of the stories we're telling ourselves Mm. in our head which then puts us into that adrenaline worry zone as if it had actually happened Mm, yeah but we're we're not gazelles are we we have these annoying brains 
that that click in with those extra worrying thoughts those the worrying about what if worrying about the future things like you say that haven't happened yet if we can catch that we can realize that's what we're doing then we have a choice you know we can actually choose am I going to continue to keep worrying about this thing that hasn't happened yet or am I going to kind of focus on what I do know is true actually the line's gone I'm safe I'm okay I can sit down and enjoy my meal I think this speaks to the why it's so hard as doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals to stop for breaks. Because actually, when we stop for a break, I think our minds are still going at 150 million miles an hour in threat mode so much. And it's really hard for us to switch straight back down into a relaxed parasympathetic mode where, you know, our thoughts are more calm. And, you know, it's really, really hard. It's like that time when you turn off the fan. And it just keeps spinning for a bit before it slows down slowly. It's like that. So, you know, you take a five minute break, you might just be starting to slow your thoughts down when you're back up into the threat zone again. Or you might just spend your whole five minute break worrying, you know, oh, I've got to do this, 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 and this, and this. And you're sitting there almost like jittering, you know, unable to relax. And so it's really important that we start to practice being more gazelle, practice getting our brains into that relaxed state. And you can do that with simple, simple, small exercises like breathing exercises, mindfulness exercises, just starting very, very small, you know, a couple of seconds at a time, a couple of deep breaths at a time, but just training your body and your brain to switch between on and off mode, between sympathetic and parasympathetic mode. Mm. And if you can start to do that in your time off a bit more when it's a bit easier, it will start to feed through into your working time as well. That's really important. We always talk about the pause button as well, don't we? Mm. So when you are, when you have been triggered, you know, like the gazelle, the lines there, ah, you run away. Gazelle then sort of stops. And often we then in our fight, flight or freeze zone, react really badly to stuff and make mistakes and do things we regret. And Dr. Mm. Steve Peters calls that your inner chimp, doesn't he? In, in In the chimp paradox. And and because of the stories we're telling ourselves, and I think we've, we've noticed that there are lots of stories that, that doctors and other professionals tend to tell themselves. There are the, the stories like, if I don't do this, if somebody might die, there might be yep. a big mistake. And in which case you obviously need to take action. But there yeah. are the other stories that cause a lot of worry and anxiety. Things like, I'm not good enough. Yeah. They'll think badly of me. I should, I ought if I don't, who will, or I have mm-hmm. to. I think it's those types of stories that cause as much distress or maybe even more than those other types of big, big stories, mm-hmm. would you mm-hmm. say, in your work that you do and you see with people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think 80 90% of the stuff we worry about isn't, you know, actual real worry. If we go back to the worry tree, most of it isn't real life right now problems. Most of it is what if. And it's threats to things like our sense of self, our security, our fear of judgment from others, you know, those sorts of things. And they're rife amongst doctors and, and nurses and healthcare professionals. We want to be thought well of. We want to be appreciated. We want to do a good job. And the thought of doing anything less than that is really, really hard for us. It's very easy for us to mind read and get it wrong, right? To assume that someone thinks badly of us or to catastrophize be the worst day ever or the worst outcome ever i think the key again is if you can catch it happening then you've got a choice you can press pause so i'd always start there start trying to become a little bit more mindful about the story that's going on in your head 
and use that phrase. I mean, that phrase has turned my life around, Rachel. I don't know about you, but it's Brene Brown, I think, isn't it, that first talked about it in her book, Daring Greatly, or one of her first books around sort of vulnerability and, and shame. She talks about use the phrase, use the words, the story in my head is. So it's not I am a I'm a useless mother. It's the story in my head is I'm a useless mother. Okay, because then it it just decenters you from it a little bit, makes it something that might not be true, right? That you can start to just gently challenge. And it's interesting you mentioned about them making mistakes and people dying, because you shared with me something I found quite helpful was that quote from the lady in Australia, was it, who said about we making we will make mistakes. I will you make are mistakes. going to make mistakes yes. and some of them will be serious. Yes. Um, Dr. Annaline Weston. Yeah. Yes. Because that I think it's really important that we don't go the other way and say, no, of course you're not going to make a mistake. No one's going to die. It's absolutely fine. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be perfect. Because we don't know that, do we? I mean, if we're very lucky, it might go that way, but we know in life there will be good and bad things that happen. So actually having something that acknowledges, yeah, I might make mistakes actually. And some of them are going to be serious. Generally, I'm doing all right. I'm doing an okay job. Most of, you know, most of the time I'm helping people. Most of the time I'm getting things right. And yeah, remembering what we are doing well, mm. and what is going well. In my experience, the mistakes and stuff that we worry about the most never happen. And actually, it's the stuff that you don't worry about comes and hits you yeah. sideways. I mean, I, right, side note, a bit of a silly story, but I was in an exercise class as one of these hit classes mm-hmm. on Monday evening. And I was just coming to the end of this sort of nine minute hit, bit high intensity thing on a treadmill. I fell off the treadmill. <laughs> it was awful. Oh. I was just putting it down to walking, having been sprinting. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just misstepped. Yeah. And okay. I fell off. I grabbed hold of it. The treadmill shushed me to the back of it. I was oh, holding on for no. dear life because I thought if I let go, it was kind of like fling gone. me across the room. <laughs> the bloke next to me grabbed my arm. The other woman on the other side was going, ah, the treadmill <laughs> wouldn't stop. I skinned my knees. Oh. It was just awful. <laughs> now, if you'd asked me what would I worry about doing those classes, it's probably, you know, hurting my back, yeah, pulling yeah, yeah. a muscle. I would never have <laughs> worried about falling off the treadmill. Now, yeah. this is a really simple, silly example, but... Oh, it's so true, though. It's true of really? parenting. It's true of being a doctor. You know, yeah. we worry about making mistakes, but we end up making the mistake we didn't see coming. Definitely. And we end up with our parenting, messing up our kids in a way we didn't see coming, <laughs> right? We spend all this time trying not to. And actually, the mistakes, you know, I mean, what percentage of mistakes did we see coming? You know, yes, some. Some. Looking back with hindsight, there are some, some warning signs. I mean, most of us are practicing as safely as we can, aren't we? Most of us are doing the best we possibly can to reduce risk and to not make mistakes. Mm. It's really important that we don't let lose sight of that, you know, that we remember that we're good people trying to help others, doing a good job. And, and the thing about worrying that I hate the most is it takes us away from that. It takes our attention. It takes our time. And it fills our day with negativity. And it may, takes our eye off the ball just look at all those nursing books out there now and all of you listening to this night you are doing a phenomenal job you really are doing an extraordinarily good job and we're incredibly grateful to every single one of you mm. you know totally and it's really interesting when you said most mistakes you can't predict because i think i can predict the mistakes and the mistakes that i make is when I am in my worry zone, that fight, flight, or freeze zone, 
that sympathetic zone when your amygdala kicks in and we call that being backed into the corner. And that's why the pause button is so important mm. and those techniques to get yourself out and check the story in your head. Because if you go into situations knowing that you are in that zone, you are more likely to encounter issues, which is why, why we're talking about this, because it's really important, not just for people to feel better, but actually for you to be effective as a professional, right? And have good relationships and, and practice safely. Yeah, and feel a little bit better because right now there's enough going on that's tough, isn't there? It would be nice if we could just be a bit kinder to ourselves, mm. just feel a bit more relaxed and recognise all the good things we're doing. So we've talked about loads and loads of different things, Caroline. If I was to pin you down to your three top tips for how to stop worrying when there is a lot to worry about, what would they be? Of everything you've said, what do you tend to find is the most effective for your clients and doctors and people? Yeah, and for me as well, right? I think, number one, I remind myself that worrying is completely normal and it's okay. Not all worrying is bad um, because sometimes that just takes the sting out of it. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'll worry about that for a little bit and problem solve it and move on. Number two, I think it's about noticing it, starting to notice those stories in your head. If you can start to notice when you're getting into that worried state, when you're getting stuck in it, then you have a choice, right? And then I'd say press pause, number three. Because there's a million and one things you can do once you've done all those things. But unless you can actually notice you're doing it, press pause and give yourself the opportunity to change how you're thinking or what you're about to do, you can't really do anything. So worry is normal. Try and notice the stories you're telling yourself in your head and press pause. Mm -hmm. And I think the things that I, I find helpful as well is, A, stay within your zone of power. Literally, what can you control? What mm -hmm. can't you control? And then take action within that zone of power. There was a book called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, and he talks about choosing which thoughts you fuse with. And mm -hmm. for me, just identifying those thoughts I've got and distancing myself rather than saying, I'm thinking this is, I'm noticing I'm having the thought that. Yeah. It's like identifying the story in your head. And then you can just let that thought go like a cloud. <laughs> you don't mm -hmm. have to fuse with it. And you could use maybe worry time to, to, to worry about that later if you want to. And then I really like the, the effort bucket. Or just yeah. saying, you know, actually, I'm just going to let that go. Does it really matter? Or even if it does matter, there's nothing I can do about it. And I'll worry about it when the time comes to worry about it there. And that can just be really helpful as well. Yeah. So we know that, you know, people are struggling at the moment and it's really normal to worry. And worrying about worrying can make things even worse. So if, if anyone is really struggling. Caroline, where can people go to get some more help if they need it? Yeah. So if you're trying a lot of these techniques, then they're not really helping because for whatever reason, then yeah, please do seek out some professional support. You can speak with your GP. You give your doctor in England, Scotland. You can come to practitioner health. You can self-refer for mental health and treatment and advice and support. I think it's just about talking to somebody so just take that first step. This is a trusted somebody, a friend, a family member, just somebody, a colleague, or, or even get in touch with Rachel or I if you're not quite sure where you need signposting to, then please do get in contact with us and we'd be happy to signpost you further. Yeah, please do. Please, please get some help. Don't struggle on alone. It's, it's, I think it's very brave to ask for help. So please do that. 
If anyone has any questions or queries or wants us to discuss certain topics on the podcast, do get in touch, do drop us an email and we can jump on again and record episodes about various different aspects of this because I think there's a lot more to dig into. Caroline and I are running a webinar on the 19th of January at eight o'clock if anyone is interested um, all about how to give yourself permission to thrive. And we'll be, I think, talking about in more detail about those concepts that you mentioned earlier, Caroline, about, you know, actually a bit more self-compassion, a bit more self-acceptance, which will just enable us to, to thrive right here where we are without having to change everything about our worlds. And that's really, really important. So if you'd like to join us, please do. The link will, there will be in the show notes. Caroline, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they contact you? They can contact me through the website, joyfuldoctor.com or email us on teamjoy at joyfuldoctor.com. Happy to hear from you anytime. Yeah, so great. And so all the links of the books and things we've talked about are in the show notes. If you want to join us for the free webinar, do sign up. And Caroline, we'll have you back again soon if that's okay. Oh, I'd love to come back always. You know, I'm a big frog fan. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. And we'll speak soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.